Hey, we're uh, concluding our series on organic outreach, uh, but before I start, just want to let you know uh, that we have Bibles in the back of the room on the table, on the kiosks, and feel free to uh, get up. You can get up right now and pick one up if you want, just to borrow uh, for this morning. Um, there's also outlines on the kiosks, and maybe you picked up an outline. If you look on the very back of the outline, just want to highlight the back page. We have a, there's a Bible reading tool there, and it's a great tool for engaging the Bible on a deeper level, so I just want to encourage you uh, to use that during the week as well. And then next week, we're going to be, uh, we're beginning a new series called The Echoes of Jesus, recognizing the good news of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, sometimes we have this perception that the Old Testament is where all the bad stuff happens, um, but Jesus says this in Luke 24, or at least it says this about Jesus in Luke 24, and beginning with Moses and all the prophet, prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so we want to connect the stories from the Old Testament to the good news of Jesus. We're excited for that series, and that's going to begin um, next week. But back to this series, Organic Outreach. Again, the truth is um, we don't, most of us aren't real crazy about sharing our faith, mainly because there's this awkwardness to it. But we've been talking about organic outreach, sharing the good news naturally, taking the initiative to make a difference in someone's life in the name of Jesus, and doing it in such a way that it feels natural, not awkward. Um, quick overview from the first two weeks of the series. Two weeks ago, just kind of visited Jesus' strategy for outreach, which, which was to um, meet people in their world, uh, serve them so that they can hear about Jesus, hear about him. And then last week, Pastor John talked about some of Paul's images for outreach, where um, he talked about being powerless like a child, that you don't have to be the expert, um, selfless like a mom, it's the self-giving love, and that outreach isn't just one moment. It's not something that you just do in a, in a single moment, but it's really more like a mentor, like a, a, a dad, that you invest ongoing into people. Um, one takeaway for me from last week uh, is the question, how much do I honestly care about people in my life? Now, I know I'm a pastor, and so I'm supposed to care about people, you know, and, but the question is, how much do I really? And we're all followers of Jesus, so we're supposed to care about people. But how much do we really care um, about people? Because that is what our motivation to reach out is to be. Why did God send Jesus into the world? Well, John 3.16 says, because God so loved the world. Um, last week, Pastor John also talked, um, uh, he cited a Pew Research uh, survey where over half the Magic Valley um, doesn't know Jesus. And so there are people who you know who need to experience the love, mercy, and grace of Jesus. And God is calling us. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God is calling us. And this morning, I want us to just kind of take a risk assessment because reaching out is always going to involve some level of risk, some step of faith on our part. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 3, 
And I'm going to, our scripture reader for this morning is Marie Cunningham. I'm going to have Marie come up to the podium. If you are able, please stand and uh, face the center of the room. And again, we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us where scripture is to be in our lives. It is to be central, both as individuals and as a community of faith. And so, uh, Marie, whenever you are ready, uh, please read from 1 Peter chapter 3. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Marie, thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, the first piece of, of making a risk assessment is just being aware of the reality of, of the risk, the reality of it. You know, we can enter into people's worlds, we can serve them, um, we can be powerless and selfless and invest in others, and all these things are good, but we are going to have to eventually take a risk to bring some part of our faith in Jesus into other people's lives that's going to involve some level of risk. If you keep your Bibles open to 1 Peter 3, as we walk through the passage of the morning, and you look at the first two verses, verses 13 and 14, it says, who's gonna harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you, sh even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. You know, the Bible talks a lot about blessings for doing what is good and right. And there are, there are a lot of blessings for doing good. But it's important to remember that those blessings do not necessarily include complete freedom from opposition or suffering. Look, we can be faithful to God, and you know this, bad things still happen to us. And according to this passage, if we do good, if we, in, that would include reaching out, we are going to face suffering and threats. It's just part of the deal. So if you try to reach out to someone, you may suffer for doing it. It may cost you something, cost us something. And this is, again, not really a surprise. But it's still good to remember that if you try to reach out to someone, you may suffer for doing it. But then, in addition to that reality, there's a response. How do we respond to that risk? And the next two verses kind of lay out what that response looks like. Some of you are familiar with verse 15 because a few years ago we really focused on 1 Peter 3.15, which says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, 
keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Again, notice, good behavior can be spoken against in a slanderous, malicious way. There's a risk for doing what is right. But if someone comes against us in a slanderous, malicious way, our response is to be gentle, respectful, and good behavior. That's the response for those who accuse us of doing wrong. And it says, be ready. Be ready to give an answer for the hope you have. The original word uh, used for the word answer is a Greek word called apologia, which is where we get a word called apologetics. Some of you are familiar with apologetics. Apologetics is simply a reply to an accusation. There's a whole field of study called apologetics, and that's basically a study of defending the Christian faith. And there are apologetic experts who go around defending the faith against critics and skeptics to those who think the faith in Jesus is illogical. And if we're going to practice apologetics, it puts a little bit of pressure on us, or maybe a lot, to have some logical reasons for why we believe what we believe. And again, I've done my share of study in apologetics, and I can make a pretty good logical defense for the faith, but there's something we always have to remember, that we can become experts in defending the faith and have all sorts of answers to all sorts of critics, but if we're obnoxious, if we're disrespectful, if our behavior isn't worthy of a clear conscience, then it really doesn't matter what answers we have because they won't make that much of a difference. And the reverse is also true. That if you feel like you don't have all the answers, that's okay, because you know what the best defense for the faith is many times? Simply being gentle, respectful, and living a life of good behavior. Again, sometimes, folks, I think we just make this too complicated. Well, what do I have to do to defend the faith? I gotta know all this stuff. No, how about just living out what you believe. That's the best defense you can ever make for the faith. And then there's a reward for taking the risk. If we reach out into someone's life, sure, sometimes it's not always going to work out. But if we take the risk to reach out to make an impact on someone, I can't overstate the potential impact each of us can make on someone else. It cannot be overstated. If each one of us took a few risks, what kind of dent in the darkness could TFRC make here in the Magic Valley? Look around the room. There are hundreds of us in here. And if each of us took a few risks for the faith, we can make a huge dent into the darkness. It would be tangible. You, people would be able to feel and see the difference. And if you look in your Bibles at the last two verses of this passage, verses 17 and 18, where it says, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good rather than doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He has put to death in the body, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And again, it's simple logic. If we're going to suffer, let's suffer for doing what's good rather than doing what's evil. 
And when we take a risk, we become just like Jesus because we want to bring people to God, which is exactly what Jesus did. Listen to the call in 2 Corinthians 5. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, sometimes I think as Christ's ambassadors, if we take up that call, we get the message all wrong. That we want to point out the sinfulness in people's lives. And I get that. Part of it is, hey, you need to be saved from your sins, so let me tell you all the sins you need to be saved from, and then, you know, I'll tell you about the Savior. But folks, we spend so much time on that message is that we don't even get to the ambassador part. And did you catch the message? We don't go into the world and tell everyone how bad they are. We go into the world and we say, as it says in the passage, God is not counting your sins against you. Or in other words, God has nothing against you. God is for you. Now that sounds like good news. You go into the world, and yeah, but this is happening, and that is, I know, I know that that's not pleasing to God, but God's not holding that against anyone. It's what Christ came for. And so the message is God wants to be reconciled to you. He has nothing against you. He wants to be in your life. And so we go out because God wants to be reconciled to the people we know. And so we bring the message of reconciliation. And we don't do that, we don't do it through power plays or clever ploys, but by simple strategic risks or acts of faith, steps of faith, to reach out, to bring people to God. That's what our role is as ambassadors. And another reward is being made alive, as the passage says. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You want to inject life into your soul? You want to be a part of someone else's life transformation? Or you want to be used to alter eternal destinies? There is no greater purpose than reaching out because of and for your faith in Jesus. And you don't have to go anywhere to do it. Just make some intentional changes in how you view your world. You are strategically placed to make an impact in someone's life that God wants to be reconciled. God has perfectly set you up. And if you just make that change in how you view your life, you'll start seeing that more. And there is no greater purpose than to live that out. You know, we want natural outreach 
to become more part of, a, of the DNA here of TFRC. We really do. And so there's a couple things that we want to challenge you to do. The first one is a really simple challenge, is we have some organic outreach cards. John introduced them last week. They're on the kiosks in the back. Uh, we should have some at the information booth in the octagon. And it's just simply pick one of those up and put it in a place where you will routinely see it, whether it's on your refrigerator or bathroom mirror or your purse or wallet, whatever. And on it, there are four principles on one side of the card and three habits on the other. And just use this card um, to help you make some strategic, intentional changes in how you view your world. Now, in addition to the card, we are going to be making some other challenges to you periodically. Challenges to take strategic outreach risks. And here's the first challenge for you. Think about your neighbors, where you live. Now, if you live out in the country, not sure exactly what that looks like for you, but I'll let you figure that out, okay? But think of your neighbors. And what is one step you could take to get to know your neighbors better? Now, for some of us, that means getting to know our neighbors' names. That will be the first step for some of us. Um, my neighbors to my backyard have been my neighbors to my backyard for over five years. And I've chatted with them a few times. I bought a dog from them. I do not know their names. <laughs> I know their dog's names. Their dog's names are Callie and Luna. So I've got that. But I do not know their names. Actually, I was thinking about this challenge yesterday. And I was going to say this, stand up in front of all of you, and I don't even know my backyard neighbor's names. And I was in my backyard, and my neighbor happened to be back there, and he called out to me. And he said, hey, neighbor. It's literally what he said. Hey, neighbor. And I looked, and I'm like, what? And basically, uh, his parents have a farm, I guess. Just learned that about them. And um, they have potatoes. And so he brought a bag of potatoes. And he hung it on our back fence. and said, hey, there's some potatoes hanging. Just wanted you to know. Just go ahead. And so I go over grabbed the potatoes, and I was thinking of this moment right now, and I'm like, um, I sheepishly said, hey, um, what's your name? You know, we've been neighbors for years. I don't even know your name. What's your name? And so he, he said, um, uh, Trevor. And then he told me something that brought me great relief, okay? Um, he said, and what's your name again? <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. It's, oh, he doesn't know my name either. We are such great neighbors. Um, and then he gave me this great idea. He said, for my neighbors on that side of my fence, I could never remember their names. And so what I did is I took a Sharpie and I wrote their names on the fence that borders. <laughs> so I went inside my house, I grabbed a Sharpie, and on the back of my fence it says Trevor and Sarah, because those are my neighbors. They have two kids. I forgot to write their names down, so I gotta have another conversation. But hey, you know, so that's your challenge. Maybe that's your challenge, is just find out their names. But seriously, what is one step that you could take to just get to know your neighbors better? Now, going back to the card, last week, Pastor John went on over one side of the card. He talked about the four principles. And I just wanna quickly go over the three habits, and all three of these habits of organic outreach involve taking some kind of risk. And the first one is taking a risk by praying for or praying with someone. You know, two weeks ago I shared about an opportunity I had to pray for some of my son's classmates as they went up to college, and I didn't. Didn't do it. Um, but telling someone 
that you will pray for them is not that threatening at all. Even if it's a foreign concept to them, most people will probably appreciate it. Um, For a year now, Johnny Benavides has been leading a class on organic outreach on Wednesday nights. And um, from that class, we have two quick stories about how people from that class used prayer to reach out to people that they knew. And so we're just going to play that video right now. I prayed a lot for people, but I had never really prayed with people on a one-to-one basis. I was with one of my friends in the hospital getting ready to go in for a procedure, and she looked at me and she said, I'm so scared. And instantly, mainly because of the class, I thought this is the time to pray for her, and I asked her if she would like me to pray for her, and she did. And she, since that time, she has thanked me on a number of occasions for that prayer. I had an old co-worker who, um, she is Muslim, and she is one of my friends on Facebook, and she noticed some of the posts I had put out about some of my medical issues, so she started talking with me and asking me questions, and this is when I was starting to go through the class, and the Lord really started talking to me about how can you pray for her, and so I just asked, how can I pray for you? Is there what what's going on in your life? And she told me about um, issues with her her father, and so I started praying about that. And then a couple weeks later, I I Facebook messaged her again, and you know I said, Hey, how how are things going? I've been praying for you, and she said, I didn't think you were gonna respond back to me, and. And then I said, hey, how, how else can I pray for you? What specific, specifically can I pray for? And that's when she started telling me about her mother, and we started talking about how powerful God is. And so, of course, I haven't gotten to that point of you know, talking about, about Jesus and the differences, but it's opened up that opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's just something simple that you wouldn't think of that it just, he opened up that door. You know, in your everyday interactions, you interact with people who are struggling with something. And as you learn about those struggles, you could just offer to pray for them. Say, hey, I'll be praying for you about that. And, and then if you say that, you actually have to turn around and pray for them, so don't forget that part. Um, but then you may even notice what Rebecca did is that she followed up with the person and just said, hey, I've been praying for you about that. How's that going? And... Um, And when you do that, that reminds people that you're praying for them, and it also reminds them that you actually care. Or you can do what uh, Janine did. You can pray with someone in a time of need for them. That's a bigger risk. But if they are genuinely worried about something, they will probably appreciate the prayer. And you'll notice that neither of these prayers, they didn't lead anyone to Jesus, but it opened a door just a little bit in each of their lives, which is really all that outreach is meant to do. You know, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, he talks about how some people plant seeds of faith and other people water seeds of faith and other people get to harvest faith. They see someone come to faith. And these two ladies did some planting, some watering. Maybe they'll lead someone to Jesus. Maybe they, someone else will. But we all play a part if we take a risk. We can also take a risk by participating in spiritual conversations. As Pastor John said last week, you don't have to be an expert. 
You don't have to have all the answers, you, but you do have to talk about your faith experience. And so do you ever um, talk about your faith, the role faith plays in your life? And for some of you, that may just be too awkward where you're at right now. I get that, okay? But um, how about this? Can you find ways to casually drop church references in normal conversations? Do, does anyone know that you come to church? Does that ever come up? Because if they don't, that would be a great place to start. Now, for me, it's a little different. I'm a pastor. And so um, people find out that I'm a part of church when they ask me, what do I do for a living? What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor at the Reformed Church, and I love the responses that I get. Because, hey, I'm a pastor at the Reformed Church. And there's a pause. That's great. Good for you. Still not sure what that means. But how could you let people know you go to church without saying, hey, I go to church? You know, is there some creative way that you could just, again, it's going to take some intentionality and some, you know, to use an old word, strategery on your part, okay? But can you find ways to casually drop church references in normal conversations? You're talking, and I'm half serious, I'm more serious than joking about this, but you're talking football with someone. If you're talking football with someone, you could just say, yeah, pastor at our church, he's this obnoxious Packer fan. You could do that. Um, or if you're talking Halloween with someone, yeah, this year I'm helping out at, at church. We do this thing called the Harvest Extravaganza. It's a huge carnival on Halloween with games and candy and stuff. It's just the church's way of providing a safe place for kids on Halloween. Or if you're talking about kids, you know, you could just say, yeah, our church has an after-school program, daycare, preschool. Look, you're not even inviting anyone to anything. Just find ways to drop the word church into a conversation. And I'm telling you, people come up to me because, and they have no church background, and because they know I'm a pastor, when something's not going well in their life, they will come and talk to me. And if someone knows that you go to church because you've dropped these references enough, without being obnoxious about it, when they get to a point where they're interested in faith because the Spirit of God's at work in them, because we believe that's already happening, they will ask you about church because they know you go. But if you never mention it, they will never talk to you. A third thing you can do to take a risk is you could simply, you could present the good news. Tell someone the good news of Jesus, that you believe God forgives us, that you believe God is for us, that you believe God watches over us because Jesus died for us. And if that's too intimidating for you, I get that. That's, I understand. How about you just invite someone to church or to the Harvest Extravaganza or to the Christmas musical or to Christmas Eve? You know, for this series, Organic Outreach, at the beginning of each message, we've played a video. We call it the, the bumper to the message. And um, we've watched a video on what we don't want you to be doing uh, when it comes to outreach. And those videos are put on by, they're called the skit guys. And their names are Tommy and Eddie. And these are two guys that do various skits that they intend to be used in churches. And I want to show one more video of the skit guys, but this isn't a skit. This is a true story on how one of the guys reached out to another. It's something that actually happened to them. Go ahead and play that. I was a freshman in college the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? 
And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him and just asking God to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life because I realized I needed a savior. Sometimes I think we just make this too hard. Really do. Um, It could be as simple as inviting someone to something. Again, whether that's church on a Sunday morning or the extravaganza or the musical or Christmas Eve or something else that we do, it's just another way to take a risk that could eternally change somebody. It's worth the risk. You know, if you're here this morning and you honestly can't say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I just want to invite you to come up to me after the service. I'd love to talk with you about the good news of Jesus, that God forgives us. I believe God forgives us. I believe God is for us. I believe that God watches over us and that you can have eternal hope because Jesus died for you. And this is good news for everyone. It's the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, who came to save us. And this news has been changing lives for 2,000 years, altering eternal destinies for 2,000 years. And now it's our turn to be Christ's ambassadors because God wants to be reconciled to people that we know. And we're gonna have to be intentional, and we're gonna have to be a little strategic, But most important, we're going to have to care. Care enough to take a couple risks. Caring about people. God so loved the world, and he's calling us to do the same. Please pray with me. Lord, I thank you for the ambassadors that you brought into my life so that I could come to faith in you. And I thank you also for everyone in this room, the ambassadors you brought into their lives, whether it was a family member or a friend or maybe even someone they barely knew. Lord, just how you impacted each and every one of us. And I would ask that you would put in our hearts that call, that sense, that view of being one of your ambassadors and that you would give us wisdom and knowledge and opportunities of how we can reach out to the people that you want to be reconciled with. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.